0: You're listening to a podcast hosted on The Podcast Matrix. Get your entire podcast library hosted now at whatisthepodcastmatrix.com.
1: When you hear the words, Friday the 13th, what do you think of? While most will recollect a certain impossible-to-be-killed masked individual bearing sharp weapons of all kinds there's another Friday the 13th that deserves attention. In 1987, Friday the 13th, the series created a rich tapestry of completely original storytelling. Based on a series of curious, devilishly enchanted objects that must be recovered and returned to the vault to prevent truly dark fates from befalling their owners. This is the detailed revisit and review of the adventures of their reacquisition, episode by episode. You won't find any hockey masks here. This is the Curious Goods Podcast from Two Guys Talking Horror. The fog.
0: It's one of the most mesmerizing meteorological events on the planet. While there are scientific reasons for it, the fact is that when the fog is utilized inside of modern American cinema and television, it's all the more delicious. What could add an extra flavor to the tasty bounty? of fog. A foghorn, that's what. How about a cursed, antique foghorn? You got it! It's time for the Curious Goods Podcast, a retelling, a revisit, and a complete educational detailing of each episode of Friday the 13th, the series, Season 1, Episode 22,
2: The Pirate's Promise.
0: Greetings, everybody. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Nick, always time for some quick housekeeping. The Podcaster Matrix. Again, my total thanks to the Podcaster Matrix for pulling off some outstanding media hosting for the two of us for the Curious Goods podcast. They dish out the stuff we need regularly at a great price. I recommend that everybody check them out, especially if you're looking to look for tips, tricks, and details about launching your own podcast. Check it out now at podcastermatrix.com.
2: Accept no substitutes.
0: Nick, I'm done with housekeeping quick. It's time for the retelling of this episode, season one, episode 22.
2: The Pirates Promise.
0: It's not every town that has a lighthouse that's creepy, with a car, and a loving couple driving by it. But inside this episode of Friday the 13th, the series, that's exactly what we start with. The couple begins to be intimate, sharing lips, caresses, and a door is ajar. The man leaves the safety of the vehicle, as does the young lady. They kiss again, and they begin heading towards the creepy lighthouse. Oh, it's his home. He lives there all alone at Whaler's Point. She investigates the different knickknacks on the walls, and then he offers her a nightcap before a night to remember. She wants to head to the light upstairs inside the lighthouse. She adores the view, and, oh, hey, a foghorn. He sounds the foghorn, and inside the mist of the ocean, a skiff appears, waiting for something. The man plunges a fillet knife into her body. She's dead. She's dead, Nick. He killed her.
2: That's what I said.
0: The man grabs the lady's body and takes it to the dark, robe-clad figure inside the skiff. As the body is deposited inside the skiff, multiple gold doubloon coins are shared. The bounty has been paid for the young woman. And the dark figure jumps back in the skiff and heads back into the mist. At least until the next time he needs to be beckoned, that is. The next day near the boardwalk, a call arrives for Jack Marshak. Who is decidedly absent inside this episode the entire time.
2: Which is a damn shame.
0: A damn shame. Because you know who would have had some witty remarks about everything inside of this episode?
2: Jack Marshak. It would have
0: been Jack Marshak, man of action. Anyway, the man calling in shares details about a foghorn that, unfortunately, has been sold. Can it be recovered? The man who had it apparently died last year. But guess what? It's just up the coast. Perfect! It's time to head to Whaler's Point! Ryan and Mickey arrive at Whaler's Point. Mickey shares a story about the fabulous treasure that can be found on its beaches inside the town. They arrive at Whaler's Point Museum and head inside. There's a vast library in the set, er, uh, I mean the shop. And Dewey Covington arrives to share stories of the foghorn. He shares that a dude, Joe Fenton, now operates the lighthouse. And he shares directions to get directly to the vista. Because it's only a mile and a half away, Nick. What a great deal.
2: Well, a small towns like that, it's everything's within walking distance,
0: Mike. Meanwhile, Drunky McDrunk is on the stoop and boldly warns Mickey and Ryan that plenty of people have met their doom. Salt and peppered ears and barbecue dead pirates are Oh, by the way, four people have disappeared just down the street at the point. Joe Fenton tells Mickey and Ryan that he sold the foghorn to, to Mother dude. Uh, so sorry, I can't help you.
2: He's a liar, Mike.
0: Definitively a liar. Night eventually falls and lookie! Another victim has come calling to the lighthouse. No kissing here, though. Looks like it's all business. Joe Fenton shares that he's found some rare gold coins on the beach. And now it's time for a reputable collector and the collector's outfit to determine the value of the coins themselves. And now it's time to set up an investment plan and... (laughs) He strangles the young lady that offered to help find the value of and process the coins. Doesn't make a lot of sense, Mike. Makes no sense, but don't worry, because the fog will pass, my friend. Patience! The fog horn sounds again. The skiff arrives again. The figure once again claims another body and deposits another set of coins into the possession of... Oh, uh, hey, wait a second. Looky, it's Drunky McDrunk from the stoop outside the shop. He's sitting ringside as the body and the money exchange pseudo-bony hands. Drunky McDrunk can't quite believe what he's seen, but he heads for the sober hills to share his crazy story about what he's seen. Drunky McDrunk finds, hey, it's Dewey. He tells him all about the fantastical story. And guess what? Dewey doesn't believe him because he's Drunky McDrunk. Ryan and Mickey are having dinner as Drunky McDrunk shares the story of a dead pirate come alive. Drunky McDrunk rushes out the door and they scamper to find Drunky McDrunk wandering the streets. But guess what? They can't find him. They decide to go get some rest and sleep.
2: A good night's sleep is very important.
0: Super important, especially for those that are drunk. The next morning, Mickey sees Joe Fenton doing something, and Ryan is going to investigate. Mickey begins sweet-talking Joe Fenton, asking more about the foghorn, and blah, 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 as Ryan hunts for the horn of death. Joe begins spitting a yarn about the fog-detecting foghorn to to mickey as ryan slips into joe's kick-ass shack at the lighthouse just then joe remembers oh i forgot my tape measure mickey chooses to accompany him ryan is still beginning to sort inside the set er, uh, the base of the lighthouse ryan has made his way up the stairs to find the foghorn but guess what It's not there. It's not on the rail. It's not tucked away, wrapped in paper in the shape of a foghorn. There's nothing there, dude. Where did it go? Where is the foghorn? Nobody knows, especially Ryan.
2: Seems that the foghorn's been hidden.
0: It's definitely been hidden. Definitely not on the parapet way up top where the light is. Hmm, I wonder where it went. He doesn't find it, but he does find a ledge. Then he grabs on the top of the parapet, avoiding detection as Joe Fenton begins searching upstairs for something anyway. Ryan can't hold on much longer, but he does. Joe doesn't find Ryan who descends down the stairs as Ryan reascends as Mickey begins wooing Joe Fenton once again, but now it's time for Mickey to go, and she does. Ryan and Mickey begin regaling the tale about the Foghorn, the dead pirate, and it's time to find Drunkie McBarney at Widow's Cove. Inside the cove, Ryan finds a gold coin. It's a gold doubloon, just like the ones that were seen earlier inside the episode. Drunky McDrunk bangs on Joe Fenton's door. He knows that the gold and treasure is inside the lighthouse. No problem, Drunkie. Why don't you come on in here and I'll show you where it is. Joe Fenton gives McDrunky a good fistful of coins, and actually, the dead McBride can tell him all about the rest of the gold and treasure. Hey, hey, he's right over here, and hey, guess what? We can give him a call. Joe heads to, and sounds, the foghorn, and again, the skiff and figure appear. It's time to say hello to the dead pirate, to more gold, and a large hatchet to the back of the brain for Junkie McDrunk. McDrunky was apparently the last remaining descendant of the crew aboard the ship that all commuted mutiny against McBride. Or was he the last? The figure states that there's one more. But Joe wants the treasure. Where's the treasure? The skiff fades back into the foggy surf and the mystery remains. Who is the last one? Back at Dewey's place, where Dewey does lots and lots of things, they begin investigating the gold doubloon, the mint registry of the coin. It matches! Oh, wait a second! The phone rings. The women that have died. They may have all been descendants. Wait a minute, they were! That means that Drunky McDrunk was also related. They begin cross-referencing the people of the town in the Hall of Records to find out if it's true. It's true!
2: Nothing like a good bit of detective work to move the
0: story along. Joe is frustrated and can't find who the last person is. Who is it? Ryan returns to the cave where dark things and cobwebs and oh, hey, look, it's the dead pirate that you can see clearly inside of the the terrible lighting. There he is. He's right there. Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Records, Mickey begins poring over a book to look for hours on out... Or, I mean, seconds. Suddenly, she finds the last remaining name. It's... 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 Joe Fenton also finds the name. And the race is on to find... Someone! We've no idea who it is. Ryan finds where the ghost has been storing all of the incredibly fresh-looking dead bodies. Amazing! Amazing! Dewey must die to have the treasure be found, Mickey. Mickey makes her way back to the lighthouse via the open window because, hey, there's open windows on lighthouses. Why not? She shimmies her way in, Mike. She does. She shimmies in to find the foghorn to do something important because Cursy Mick cursing. I don't know why. Joe Fenton arrives back at the lighthouse to be a villain. <laughs> He unlocks the padlock, and guess what he sees creeping around? Hey, it's Mickey! Joe Fenton accosts Mickey inside the lighthouse and tries to kill her, but Dewey is able to get in the way and save her. But in doing so, he gets run through himself. Terrible. A very sticky situation. Meanwhile, back at the creepy, dead body dead pirate cave... Ryan snaps up one of the leftover fillet knives and dodges McBride, who is then called by the Foghorn for the last kill. Mickey is wandering around on the beach, who finally finds Ryan. Joe Fenton flops Dewey's lifeless body into the skiff. Mickey is distraught. The pirate acknowledges that the last one has not been killed. There will be no payment of the treasure. Mickey and Ryan snatch the foghorn from the railing. Joe Fenton meets Mickey and Ryan back in the lighthouse, as does McBride. And now it's time to get hooked on Fenton. Joe Fenton dies a terrible hooky death and then disappears because it's the end of 42 minutes. Fenton is carried into the mist by McBride, and thus the item is... Recovered! The next day, Ryan and Mickey are mourning Dewey, McDrunky and hoop earrings, and hey, Ryan found something additional. Dewey wasn't the last. Joe was the last, because he's the brother's roommate's maid, dormitory caricature artist, sign language interpreter. Of course he was. And the curse ended with his death. Inside of every episode of Friday the 13th, there's always goods. Let's get to the ones inside this episode. Location, location, location. It doesn't get any better than finding a seaside shanty town, essentially, a very small town that happens to have what amounts to a very small lighthouse, and using that as the set for this episode. It's just about as perfect as production design can get when it comes to having a set.
2: Right. Well, going on location, we've been to some epic-looking locations in the past. Yeah, This one, it's nice to be out and about, and, you know, that it was definitely recorded at a coastal town. Mm-hmm. You know, you had the ocean right there. Right. But it seemed it was very pieced together because there's that one street where the restaurant on one side was and the museum on the other side was and we we never really strayed from that street unless we went over to the lighthouse which had just a road leading out to the lighthouse now the thing is is the lighthouse looked very modern and I don't know if it had been rebuilt from a an older uh, lighthouse from that location or maybe it had just been built for that town I, they were trying to go for creepy, and they it wasn't creepy at all.
0: No, it looked like a piece of like a barn, right? Except yeah. that it was a lighthouse. Yeah, exactly. Right,
2: I, and I mean it worked.
0: Right, I mean it's a better lighthouse than you or I got. Right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so somebody inside of the production design said, "Staff said, guys, guess what? We got a lighthouse." And everybody goes, "Yeah, we got we, a got, we got a
2: lighthouse. It's going to be a great exterior." And. And we, can get build, yeah. we can build the top of it in a set somewhere <laughs> so we don't have to worry about falling to our deaths.
0: <laughs> right. <clears throat> or and, being
2: seen. Or being seen. And uh, the thing that I most <laughs> like, though, about the location of this episode is the time spent on the beaches. Yeah, me too. I really like that. Both day both day and night. I really yeah. like that. Yeah, I agree with that. It added that. to the the feel of the episode. It, it did make me feel like we were in one of those old New England towns. This, I liked, it had a nautical theme, and hey, look, there's a boat on the water coming yeah. towards us. That's that, I, I really liked
0: that, that was cool. I think the, the crowning achievement here inside of this production design in this set was probably Ryan's sweater. The sweater with the anchors on it, man, totally made it for me. Anchors away,
2: man, anchors
0: away. The casting of Credible, look at these Coastland people, people. This was great. This is where they went and grabbed people that look exactly like people. You go, hey, you kind of look like you live in a coastland town someplace. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Look, it's Junkie McDrunkard, <laughs> the the town drunkard. There he is right there.
2: Costuming helps, definitely. It's perfect. Definitely. It
0: was perfect. It was, but yes. All. Yes. It, 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 what I love mostly about it is that the only color I can remember from this episode, two colors. I remember the red of the lighthouse, Yeah. and I remember the manila of the lady's trench coat that gets killed. That's it. And uh, of course, Mickey's hair. Well, but yeah. the rest <laughs> of it, the rest of it was all very, very salt and pepper, dark. Gray muted tones, yeah. very muted tones. Yeah. and again, it was very well done. But the people that were cast, I thought, were just about as spot on as you can get.
2: We and we don't go overboard. Too, it's like, ah, oh, no, well, I remember yeah. uh, <laughs> back about four seasons yeah. ago.
0: And, and, and I was, I was kidding in the retelling. There were no piratey pirate mcpirate Yeah, nobody, stuff, so. nobody
2: ever talked. are you re- <laughs> you want to hear about the legend of McBride? <laughs> No, we we didn't have any of that. Yeah. Nobody went overboard with yeah. chewing the Mc- scenery or
0: trying to be an over-the-top yeah. character. Junkie McDrunk was just junkie McDrunk enough, especially when he was trying to be serious. Well, he yeah, I mean he wasn't <clears throat> falling over
2: drunk. Right. And and we call him drunkie McDrunk. His name his character name was Barney. Right. Barney was never Well, I, I saw I saw <laughs> it coming out of the fog and
0: It it, it had a hook for a hand. That's what we might have heard if he'd have spoken after he'd been thunked in the head with a hatchet. True. Maybe. (laughs) Learning more about the antique as the episode progresses. I think you mentioning this has made me understand a different value of this episode that I originally did not appreciate. Okay. In that. As we go throughout the episode, you think you got it. Like, okay, so the foghorn calls the, the bad dude. Mm-hmm. The bad dude comes and grabs the bodies, and because he comes and gives gold, the guy's going to continue killing bodies. Right. Okay, that's not it. That's not what this is going. That's not what's going on here. Yeah. And I think because it begins stacking on itself and is more than just one thing, that actually is amping up the 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 later score for me because of that. Right. And I did not originally appreciate it when I saw the episode.
2: When you think about most of the episodes for this show so far, and I'm not saying all of them do this, but most of them you, you kind of figure out what the item does within the first 15 minutes or so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this one, you kind of feel like you figure it out right mm-hmm. off the bat. Okay, so this guy, creepy guy, lives in a lighthouse, uses the cursed foghorn to call some pirate dude on a on a dinghy.
0: And he gets gold because he Kills murders.
2: somebody yeah. and delivers a body to him and gets gold to blooms. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's about money. Yeah and and that's fine. Mm-hmm. Revenge and monetary gain are the two motivators. And women and women, fame, fortune, stuff like that are the motivators that most of our villains have on this show. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. But like you said, we we keep on diving deeper into what the curse and and it's a double curse too because we have a cursed foghorn. Mm-hmm. And is this foghorn connected to the ghost itself? Because McBride has his own curse. Mm -hmm. You know, he cursed the descendants of everybody that mutinied him, you know, hundreds of years ago and said, I'll take my crew and their descendants to hell with me. What's cursed? Is Mm -hmm. it does the pirate make the foghorn work or does the foghorn make the pirate work? And even though there's not, like, a definite answer to that in the episode, the fact that there is that mystery surrounding both Mm -hmm. the Foghorn and the pirate makes it a hell of a lot more interesting than some of our other episodes.
0: Yeah, there's a movie that came out before this, and it was called The Fog.
2: John Carpenter.
0: John Carpenter, but I have to tell you that one of the very few things I remember, it's not the ghosts, it's not the fog, it's Adrian Barbeau.
2: Oh, yes. As the radio the DJ radio... in the lighthouse yeah. dude yes dude well let's not forget we also have a very new to the scene Jamie Lee Curtis she had just done Halloween now she's doing the fog yeah. dude. you got Jamie Lee Curtis and you got Adrian Barbo I'm 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 set
0: did I tell you Adrian Barbeau was in there? Yes,
2: we we, okay. we get it. <laughs> All right, just We, just, just we get saying. a creepy old
0: man. <laughs> just, we get it. Just saying. Anyway, that was Who a great Who tells people movie. to
2: stay out of the fog?
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm in the fog, dude. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in a fog right now. All right, anyway, uh, I, I like that a lot. It gives, it gives credence to the episode. It allows me to chew on more than just what you think you're going to get at the beginning of the episode. Thumbs up. That's where we ask you, what did you find positive inside this episode? Let us know what you think by going over to our website, that's Curious Goods Podcast. Go to the website, fill out the quick web form, tell us what you think was positive about this episode, because there's a lot.
2: Well, just like we talk about the goods for every episode of Friday the 13th, the series, we also talk about the things that were not so good. Here's a handful of of the things that needed a little bit of polish. Obliviousness.
0: Mortal sin. I can't deal with it, dude. <laughs> I can't. All right, so... Uh, the, all of these movies there's a TV rule. series and stuff that appear back in the 80s, this is the thing that drove Mike Wilkerson brain crazy. Just total obliviousness. And
2: I'm only going to pretend to defend this just <laughs> to poke at you. Because
0: oh, thank you, Nick. Because
2: I think it's a little Nick. ridiculous too. But there's an unspoken rule: nobody ever looks up, and nobody ever looks down.
0: When you're on the parapet of a lighthouse, I call total bullshit on it. There's
2: and no that way. is why. And that is why I say you're you're right. Because it doesn't matter if you're not looking down, you're still going to see a couple of fingers <laughs> hanging onto the side of eight your of lighthouse. Them. You're
0: going to see eight fingers and a
2: dude. I mean, you Come literally man. have to be looking up you would have to not to. see it. So yes, I do agree. <laughs> the fact that uh,
0: nobody looks Joe up when they get to the top of a lighthouse. R- nobody. Well, uh,
2: I know. This is why I'm saying this. This <laughs> point, in fact, even though Ryan says later on that it was a good thing Joe never looked down. It doesn't save the fact that Joe could have saw it. Either. He didn't have to be looking down. He just needs to be looking forward. So, so yes, definite ding. But again, if I were to try to legitimately defend this point, I would I would say that the rule is people don't look up often enough to see what's going on up there. That's. It's a nice. It's used in horror for uh, for vampires and things like that. Nobody expects anything to be dropping down on you from above. And, and the same thing goes from looking down. People don't look down. It's it's why you could f- possibly fall into a hole, a manhole, some ditch, or something like that. But you're going to notice when somebody is hanging <laughs> off the side of you're your lighthouse. When you're
0: looking for somebody. You're not he looking. He's not he looking for he anybody. Didn't go up there to find a tape measure.
2: He was going up. Yes, he was. He had no reason to believe that Mickey was being deceive, uh,
0: deceiving him,
2: and he had no reason to believe that Ryan was even in the in I, the lighthouse. I
0: think you need to call the audience and ask them because you clearly really? were not watching this episode. Do you even watch your show, man?
2: Okay, fine. Let's ask the audience. Audience, what do you think? Do you believe that Joe Fenton went into the lighthouse looking legitimately for his tape measure, or did he suspect because Cutie Patootie? Mickey was talking to him that there must have been something afoot, and he was looking for somebody inside his lighthouse. Let us know. Head on over to our website, hit the contact button, fill out the web form, and tell us, what do you think Joe Fenton was really up to? Less is more. I got to tell you, Mike, I was digging the... Dread Pirate Roberts, <laughs> yeah.
0: the, the all grim, the in grim Reaper the Grim pirate.
2: Reaper-ish yeah. pirate, all in silhouette. All you've got is that that, that fancy old-timey clothing that he's got, his uh-huh. nice little shiny hook. Mm-hmm. And that's it. We don't need to see what he looks like. And I, I really appreciated that. Yeah. Up until the point to where Ryan is inside the cave. He discovers the bodies of everybody that Joe Fenton has killed, and then out pops McBride, the Chunk- go- the ghost of McBride, but Chunk- then
0: chunky fake McBride.
2: Well, yeah, we McBride. get we get a good jump scare, but then we get a close up of what's behind the veil, and it's it's it's, it's a skeleton with it's goo terrible. all over it, yeah. and it's supposed to look like it's it's a rotted corpse, and it just doesn't work. Right. So and and sadly, where they could have just left well enough alone and had a really nice effect, they had to go for the scare, yeah. the gross out scare. Yeah. And it ruined it.
0: Yeah, the stagecraft piece of what this show is able to pull off often mm. is where they really need to leave their wheelhouse. There, there weren't. Yeah. there's a number of our original episodes inside of our reviews. Uh, I, there's too many really to mention. But anytime you can take what they've clearly made a set, but they're taking the stagecraft excellence of a set and then doing something with what's being shown, mm. I love that. And this is where they break that fifth wall really for me because they had me. They had me since the very first look at the look at the hunched figure in the back of the skiff that doesn't really do anything yep, except yep. throw a coin and maybe you get to see the hook and that's it. And I'm really sorry that we we jogged away from that quickly cuz I think that would have been such a bigger payoff.
2: Dear last-minute wrap-ups, we are of two minds because we are not one being who share a brain. We we do disagree on on things from time to time. No, we don't. This is, and this is one of them. Mike did not like the fact that in the last three minutes of the episode, uh, a final piece a of the po- well. Seriously, oh, okay, it's it's the epilogue. in the last ninety it's, seconds it's of the epilogue, episode. Man. Sure, yeah, I get it. But but you didn't like the fact that the discovery of Dewey and Joe being related, so therefore Joe was also a descendant. That's why McBride killed him. You didn't really care for that wrap-up there in the very last few minutes. Mm-hmm. And while we were preparing the show notes for this episode, I defended this point by saying, well this episode had an air of mystery so it's it literally did have the beats of a mystery story mm-hmm. and in most mystery stories you don't learn everything yeah. until the last i mean if it's a book you're not learning everything to the last 10 pages yeah uh, if it's like a sherlock holmes type movie or book it, it you're not learning everything until the very end and this was very similar did it ruin my enjoyment no uh, mike did it ruin yours i mean it was just the last 90 seconds you could have blinked and, and been away with it. I mean, did it did it really hurt?
0: It feels like it should have been part of the story sooner, mm, as opposed okay. to, you know, what we got to do, guys. We gotta we gotta throw this on the end because then we'll have a real wrap up. Oh, dude, dude! If we do this, then there's the double crisscross. Write that shit, man. Or See, I, I or I'll even I'll even take it another step further. All right.
2: Or it's for the people who are too stupid to realize that that's what was going on. <laughs> Okay. I mean, I'm throwing that out there just for an argument, but the, the real thing are. is is that is that you don't <laughs> see the whole Joe Fenton being related to Dewey's character. I mean I, I mean you don't expect it. You're not expecting it. Right. Therefore to have it tossed at you at the very last minute, you go, Oh <gasps> it's supposed to be that jaw-dropping moment, like, oh my they were brother he killed his own brother Well, by the time that all this happens, no there's no time to really care about it. But Mickey is doing a very fine job of caring about it. Yes. Because she really is broken up about the death of Dewey.
0: Terribly broken up.
2: So I think that, that kind of evens things out. Well, those are our thoughts. But we want to know what you thought about what needed some polish in this episode of Friday the 13th, the series. Head on over to our website at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Hit the contact button. Fill out that web form and let us know what you thought needed some work in this episode.
0: It's time to take a break here during the Curious Goods podcast, a retelling, a revisit, and a complete educational detailing of each episode of Friday the 13th, the series. We will be right back.
1: ARG!
2: Wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever? It can. real impact thanks to perpetual advertising are you ready to change the way you and your company or organization advertises find out more and launch a unique perpetual advertising effort now by visiting twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors make your podcast soar with the editor core editing podcasts can be rough Everyone knows that you'll spend at least double the time you use creating the podcast when editing it. Then there's the control freak factor and the gotta get it right the first time. Well, it's time to shove all that out the door and make your podcast soar with the Editor Core. The Editor Core is a talented, experienced team of podcast editors that have edited tens of thousands of hours of podcast content and they're ready for yours now. Check out EditorCore.com because it's time. To make your podcast soar, editorcore.com. That's editorcore.com.
1: Thought about a career in voiceover? Need a great, cost effective on hold message for your organization or business? Don't know where to start? Check out The Voice Farm, your one stop shop for voiceover needs. Check it out now by accessing The Voice Farm at voicefarmers.com and see what difference can be made with a company that is truly outside the box. The voice box, voicefarmers.com. That's voicefarmers.com.
0: Everyone, welcome back to the Curious Kids Podcast, a retelling, a revisit, and a complete educational detailing of each episode of Friday the 13th, the series, this time season one, episode 22.
2: The Pirates
0: Promise. Every time we come back from break, it's time for our manifest moment. Our manifest moment is where Nick and I recognize either an actor's portrayal, a storytelling event that happened inside the episode, or something else that trips our collective review night fantastic. Nick, what have you got? I'm going for the macabre and the
2: gory here, Mike. Mm, My manifest moment for this episode has got to be the death. Of Drunky, Drunky Mcdrunk, McDrunk, also, also known, known as, as Barney, with the with the axe, the tomahawk, whatever you want to Dude. call that, to the Catch back it. of the the hatchet, yeah. to the back of the head, that thump. Yeah. I mean, and it was like all a ripe dark, yeah. melon. Yeah. He, his eyes go white. He go. He gives out that and then dead. Yeah. Now it was, that was awesome tremendous. moment. Probably probably my favorite kill in the last handful of episodes. I also
0: like that it was somehow ornately. Artisaned on it. Mm, Like there was like little tricks of awesome all over the hatchet. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was cool. That was very cool. And out of the blue, after having filet You knew he was going to die. You just didn't
2: know how he was going to die.
0: You know, I I forgot to mention this. I thought perhaps a filet knife was going to be the cursed item. Oh, really? Because why not? Oh, I don't know. The sample is, I, I. I don't have it anymore. I don't even remember when we didn't have it anymore. But my dad and I went fishing, and we never caught anything over the course <laughs> of his life. So we never had the chance to use his his filleting knife. Oh. Obviously, it's not something that he passed down to me because we didn't ever <laughs> use it. But I can see something. I can see that as something it's that's possible, inside yeah. of a collection, especially if it's storied and historyed and passed down. Blah. Anyway, that's what I thought was going to be the item originally. Is when Joe Fenton pulls it out of the. Short scabbard, whatever. Right, yeah. The beginning I, of the episode, and yeah. I thought that was going to be the item where you know he looks at it and goes, "Oh my!" sacrifice it's people time, by using it's that, time to yeah. show you how sharp I am, lady, or something like that. And time I'm glad to get it wasn't to the point. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> and I'm glad it wasn't. It, it was it, it was way more creepy and and horror inspiring that it was this very dead tone foghorn. It was not a standard foghorn. I, I don't think that that was a real foghorn sound. It it sounded like something real, but it sounded like something not real. And I like that. Yeah. I like that a lot. My manifest moment inside this episode, I think it's got to be the rolling up of the skiff. If you think about just kind of a hunched figure in the back of a very dark skiff boat thing that doesn't do anything but float up onto the shore... That's what we get here numerous times, and you think, boy, that's going to get stupid by the second time it gets shown. You no, know, it's
2: like, wow, that's really cheap. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It wasn't. No. It was absolutely perfect. I'll, again, this also speaks to the fact that I wish they would have just left well enough alone and not chosen to be all, time to do kick-ass 80s practical special effects. Look, it's goo and a plastic skeleton. Yay! I wish they hadn't done that. Right. Because it would be much more menacing to just be a figure this you don't really ever know what's underneath this the cowl. Mm. You, nothing. Yeah. You never knew. Um, you might even get maybe like 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 they'll show often with something that's grim reaper like where there's just a couple of fingers that grab a cape and then pull the cape closed or things like that. I would have much rather had more of that.
2: When the hood is down and you can't see the face of what's in front of you, it's it's the whole deal of, well, your imagination is going to yeah, fill in the space. It paints
0: in the pictures, yeah. right? And, and I miss that. I, I miss that because we got it at least three times when mm-hmm. the skiff arrives. So thumbs up for the skiff arrival. And my guess is if it wasn't exactly the same shot, it sure as hell could have been. And yeah. it wouldn't make any difference. Uh, but it was very, very well done. For, for something that could have been really, really stupid and looked like it was staged terribly, I thought it was great. Yeah, That's where we ask you guys, what did you find was your manifest moment inside this episode? Season 1, Episode 22,
2: The Pirate's Promise.
0: Let us know what you think by going to our website over at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Fill out the quick web form and tell us, what's your manifest moment? It's time to focus on the words that matter. It's time for vocabulary. Nick, the first word we have inside this episode is... Mutiny. It's a word we've heard for many, many years. Thankfully, it doesn't have a lot of different meanings. It's very straightforward. According to our friends over at Visual Thesaurus, mutiny is open rebellion against constituted authority, especially by seamen or soldiers against their officers. It's also listed as organized opposition to authority, a conflict in which one faction tries to wrest control from another. And that's rest, another word I love, W-R-E-S-T. Love that word. Nick, our second word is one of my favorite words from historical past, and it is skiff. A skiff. According to our friends over at VisualThesaurus.com, is known as any of various small boats propelled by oars or by sails or by a motor, or magic. Oh yeah! yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's also known as a boat that is small, and so it really did. It was terribly appropriate. It was exactly the perfect size. It should have been right,
2: right, just right.
0: enough for a body, and then this giant, hulking, hunched-over frame o body. And then just enough little tiny extra for some dramatic effect. It was perfect. Yeah, the, the skiff was absolutely perfect inside this episode. That's where we ask you, what vocabulary did you find inside this episode? Let us know what you think by going over to our website. That's CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Click on the right-hand side of the page, fill out the quick web form, and tell us, what words did you find that made the mark inside this episode? Episode... Ah, the rating for this episode of the Curious Goods Podcast. The scale works thusly. A 10 is a trunk full of gold doubloons, treasure for everyone, including Nick. A 1 is on bottom of the scale. A rusty hook to end your day. Everything starts as a 7 as an average. The numbers go up with positives. The numbers go down with negatives. And Nick? There are no Habsies. Nick, what do you got?
2: This episode took me by surprise.
0: Hmm.
2: Uh, at times, I thought, "Oh wow, this is going to be cheesy." Not, I'm not going to say I was blown away, mm-hmm. but I was taken by surprise at the fact that, "Oh, we're not going cheesy. We're, uh, we're 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 putting a little mystery here." Okay, all right. Let's build. Let's build on that. And, and yes, there were a handful of missteps along the way. There always are, uh, but nothing that really derailed my enjoyment of the episode. Mm-hmm usually I gauge the importance of the episode by either the item that is cursed or the villain that is wielding said cursed item. And both of them were kind of subdued Mm -hmm. in this episode. We we had more of a a history lesson of this uh, coastal town and and, and the pirate legend and and the treasure and all that. Didn't actually feel like a typical episode of Friday the 13th, the series. Mm -hmm. That being said... I would have to I would have to give this a rating of an eight.
0: An eight. That's a very interesting number for this episode. I think what I find from this episode the most is that you can take things that are featured inside of a feature film, like The Fog. The Fog, yeah. And this is a very good episode. It checks off a lot of boxes that I like a lot. Mm-hmm. So, fog, ghostly imagery.
2: Atmosphere, a lot of atmosphere. Atmosphere, yeah. uh,
0: things that smell East Coast, all things nautical. I, mm. I, I dig that. Okay. I, I think that there's a lot of storytelling juice that can be squeezed from nautical anything. So I think that's awesome. I love foghorn I think that the it's a, it's a valuable piece of storytelling that does not get used nearly enough inside of just about everything on planet Earth. Mm. I, I think uh, other than hockey games, Foghorns can be used elsewhere and still have a lot of impact. I also liked all the acting that we saw, including some terrible ADR moments inside this episode. But the fact is that it was all well acted. Right. There, was, there was nobody inside this episode that gave me anything that I thought was subpar at all mm-hmm. across the board. Even the guy that just kind of appears, gives some storytelling and then gets run through. <laughs> he ends up being a hero. He ends up being a subdued hero. Most importantly, though, I like the mystique. Of an entire town of just descendants. Just because the people were associated with the original people that were aboard the ship that did wrong, I, I, I'm i not telling you that I like that they get hooked and deft inside this episode. Right, yeah. But it's interesting to think that, you know, imagine if, if history could carry over, and what was carried over in history was incredibly negative, so much so that it was going to kill you. I find a lot of value in that kind of storytelling and that, that setup. I, I dig that a lot. I think it's what I got a lot out of the fog because spoiler alert, the fog is also almost exactly the same story. The only to a,
2: only to a bigger extent.
0: Uh, to, uh, yeah. Well, yes. Yeah. But it's a town. The town's founding fathers, right? Right. Was it not? Okay. Lots of super familiarity here. So I, I, I and I don't knock it for that. I don't knock it for grabbing juice from a movie from many years previous. No, yeah. I really appreciate an episode like this, and I give this episode a 9. That's where we ask you guys, what did you rate this episode? Season 1, episode 22.
2: The Pirate's Promise.
0: Of Friday the 13th, the series. Let us know what you think. Again, by going over to our website, that's CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Click anywhere on the right-hand side, fill out the quick web form, and tell us what you think. A spectacularly fun episode that evokes all kinds of memories, Nick. Until next time, I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. Uh, Nick, are you going to say goodbye or what? What are you doing over there?
2: Oh, Mike, I I, I want you to hear this. Huh?
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Curious Goods Podcast. We are always interested in learning what you remember about these enchanted items and their tales of reacquisition. Connect with us immediately at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com to share your treasured information. Until the next artifact reveals itself, the vault is now closed.
0: Go up to the top of your notes. A retailing. Awesome. A retailing? I did. I wrote retailing. Make sure you change that when you put it into the, the webpage. Maybe I will. Maybe um, I won't. I would like to have one of the t-shirts and perhaps a belt as we retail.
2: <laughs> I do my best to make you not sound oh so crazy. Oh, Thank you. <laughs> Don't take candy from a stranger.
0: Also known as the primate's promise, according to the notes. That's awesome.
2: Oh. Well, you just can't typewrite. <laughs> That's right. The my fing- is, my fingers of- is broken. What what the hell is wrong with you, Wilkerson? It's it's
0: McJunkie, Sorry. The primates
2: promise.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> ooh, ooh,
2: ooh, ooh, ooh.
0: Want a banana?